0: This episode is brought to you by Cox Home Life. Cox helps make your home smarter. And now you can pull up your Home Life cameras on your TV with your Contour voice remote and some simple voice commands. To learn more, visit cox.com slash thisishome. This episode is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Introducing DirecTV Stream, the best of live TV and on demand, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. So whether you want to catch the game live or watch the latest blockbuster, they've got you covered. And there's no annual contract. DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together at directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet and compatible device. Content varies by package and location. Restrictions apply. Simply Sad is the place we come together to talk about the simple things we can do to live well, do good, and be happy. And we might just change the world along the way or at least have fun trying. Are you ready? Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome to Polly Campbell Simply Said, the podcast where we talk about practical ways. And by practical, I mean things that even I can do. And (laughs) if I can do them, you can do them, to live well, do good, and be happy, and save the world all in about 20 minutes. And today, I am super excited to have writer Nancy Davis Co. here for the S2 interview. And I'm thinking her wit and wisdom is going to inspire us today. Hello, Nancy. Thanks for Hello. joining us.
1: Polly, thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm laughing already, and we haven't even started talking, well, so that's, that's a, a good sign.
0: Yeah, that'll be fun. And no pressure. You got 20 minutes to tell us everything about yourself and save the world and inspire us. So, You should be able to handle that, I think, right?
1: That's like the name that tune challenge from hell. (laughs) Oh, okay,
0: I'll try. All right. (laughs) Nancy Davis Coe is a freelance writer whose work has appeared in the Washington Post, San Francisco Chronicle, Us Magazine, The Rumpus, The Toast. And she covers the years between being hip and breaking one, which is totally me, at midlifemixtape.com, and on the Midlife Mixtape podcast, and I've heard the podcast, go to it, you guys, listen, it's, it's, a, it's fun, it makes you think, it makes you feel not quite so alone in this hip-breaking, trying-to-be-hip <laughs> thing, and what we're going to talk about today is Nancy's newest book called The Thank You Project. Cultivating Happiness: One Letter of Gratitude at a Time, and it's out now from Running Press. It came out a month ago in December or so. Is that right?
1: Early December. Yep. How's it going? It's exciting. It's great. I'm now at a point where people are sending me pictures of them reading it in far-flung oh. corners of the globe, and it just is. I'm 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 loving it. It's it was a lot of work. It was a pretty quick deadline to write the book, and you know, lest anyone think that. Publishing works the way it does in the movies where the publishers do all the heavy lifting. That's not so much true when it comes to marketing. So I think a lot of us writers... I have to step into the, we have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable uh, and doing a lot of sales and marketing and all that stuff. But when it comes in the form of just chatting with nice people like you, uh, I love it. I love this part. Because it's, I mean, in line with the name of your podcast, the idea behind the book was so simple that I didn't, I certainly did not know what I was stumbling into at the time I started the Thank You Project. But it turns out, that this simple gratitude letter is really powerful. So um, it's been it's been cool.
0: I think that is, and that's what we talk about a lot on the show. I think we get caught up thinking this, you know, changing the world thing is really complicated. And even if we change our own energy, we're going to show up in the world in a different way. And that's and. Right do you I want to talk about your process a little bit, how you arrived at this. But do you have a background as a thank you noter? were you were you raised to do this?
1: Well, Laura and Larry Davis sure raised me to be a thank you <laughs> note writer. My mom and dad did not let us <laughs> off the hook. So yeah, my my siblings and I always had to write the thank you letters for gifts and stuff like that. But that was really transactional. And I, you know, and Mm -hmm. I I was pretty good about doing that even as an adult, if I remembered and after holidays, and I've raised my two, I have, uh, my daughters are 18 and 21. And they always had to write thank you notes, too. So I had the basics. But what I did with the thank you project was a little bit Different, and so if I can just give a quick recap, I was going to celebrate a big benchmark birthday in uh, two thousand and sixteen. I like to say it was my thirtieth it was not my it, it was my fiftieth but um, I decided that what I would do that year to mark the milestone was to write one thank you letter every week to someone who had helped. shaped or inspired me up until that point in my life. And of course, it started with my family and my friends. But as the weeks passed during that year, I really expanded who I was writing to. Because when you think about all the different people who have had an impact on your life, some of them may not be in contact with you anymore. Some of them may be people you never met, like a celebrity whose music you love or a a painter whose art inspires you. So um, it was a really Surprising for something that is really simple, I would write just a one-page letter every week. It was uh, it had a profound positive impact on the way I looked at the world, the way I thought about my community, the way I coped with hardship. Because you know, I started this thing thinking, "Wow, it's it's such a great." year and I, my family's, you know, my parents are here and I've been married for a long time and my kids were great. And it ended up being an extremely challenging year. And it's, I don't think giving anything away to say that my dad died very suddenly Mm -hmm. partway through the year. And three weeks later, my oldest daughter left for college for the first time. And of course, Mm -hmm. it was also the presidential election. So there was just this baseline level of anxiety and fear everywhere you looked. And it turned out that sitting down every week to write my thank you letter, was the most calming thing I could do. And I would often, yeah. And I would, I would get to the point where I would think, okay, I need to write the letter because I'm not sleeping or my, you know, my, my teeth are grinding. And I, through my own experience, I could tell that just sitting down and thinking grateful thoughts and thinking specifically about how a certain person had been there for me and had shown up for me was a really great way to sort of reset myself. And what I found in writing the book, so the book's not a collection of the 50 letters or anything boring like that. It's a how-to, uh, and it's sort of a roadmap for readers if they, want, if they might want to do this themselves. But my favorite part of writing it was that I got to look into the science of gratitude and why happiness and gratitude are so tightly coupled and what the neurological response is that makes you actually feel better as you Write these simple thank you letters. So it's a little bit of that too, where I think readers will come away understanding the physiological basis for this practice and why it works so well.
0: I think that's. I think gratitude is the most powerful thing that we can do, and and I joke about it. Like it only took me twenty years to figure it out because I'm the type <laughs> that it's so simple it can't mean anything. Right. Know? Boy, it is. Well, Anna- in, in- and I'm
1: naturally resistant to, I'm a pretty pragmatic person. Uh-huh. So I think if I, I think probably if I had known at the beginning that this was going to be such a life changer, it would have been a little intimidating to me. Uh-huh. But to sit down one week and write a thank you letter to my mom, who I'm very close to, but ha- who has dementia, and to try to put it in terms that I hoped she could understand what she meant to me. And then to sit down the next week and write a letter to my dad, who, is, uh, was awesome. And he was so cute when he got the letter. He called me and said, oh, Nance, I loved it so much. I framed it. Oh, <laughs> and, wonderful. and so each week it wasn't this giant project. It was one letter to a person who I was grateful for. And that's not that complicated. That's not overwhelming.
0: Who did you, did you decide before the get-go who you were going to write to? When you, when you came up with this idea, did you write down 50 names? and And did you know it was a book or did that evolve as you, I mean, a writer always has a book perhaps, but did, did you evolve into that idea as you went forward?
1: Well, I'll answer the second question first. I absolutely, did not think this was a book. I, uh-huh. in fact, part of the reason I, I was writing the letters is because I had uh, not been successful in selling a memoir that I'd written before this. I wrote a midlife music crisis memoir, which is still in a drawer. And what the editors who saw it said to me was, "There's not enough crisis in your life. Like that's this isn't a it's not a crisis of any kind. You don't really have." Challenges that you're talking about in this book. And after, of course, feeling extremely disappointed that I didn't sell a book that I'd worked on for three years, it occurred to me that this was actually good news that I didn't have enough crisis in my life to write a book was really a lucky and fortunate situation to be in. So that was one of the things that gave me the incentive to write the letters. But I certainly did not see this as a book at the time I was writing the letters. And in fact, it wasn't until about a year. And a half, about a year and a half later, I was at somebody else's 50th birthday party and a mutual friend sat me down and said, okay, I heard you did this letter writing thing. What was it? Who'd you write to? What did you put in the letter? How did... And she asked me so many questions. I thought, oh, maybe it's not self-evident. And I knew how powerful it was. So I wanted to make it really easy for somebody else to do the same thing that I had done. And of course, I have to give the caveat that throughout the book, I say, this is what I did. You don't have to do exactly the same way. I bring in a couple of other people who had similar initiatives, but timed it differently, or the format was different. Because I just wanted to give readers a really broad range of examples, and also the reassurance that it, you can figure out what works best for you. I'm not like there there are no thank you note police. So, no, I did not see it <laughs> as a no book. right answers. <laughs> That's right. But uh, when, two or three other people also suggested that they would like to know more about how I did it. And that's when I figured out, well, maybe this is the book I'm supposed to write. Yeah, I love write. it. It's awesome. yeah, so that's the first. that's the second answer first. Did I know who I was going to write to? I didn't. I had, I mean, I knew I was going to do my family. I have a pretty big family that I'm close to. And so just family members alone probably took me through you know, almost number 20. And of course, I had some close friends that I knew I would write to, but I didn't. I, I, so I made a list. I think I probably got up to 27, 28. Wow. And then I thought, I'm not going to know anybody else, <laughs> but I'm not going to worry about it now. I'm just going to work on the first set of letters. And what's interesting in the science behind this is this term called positive recall bias. So most of us are, a lot of us are, are wired with what's called negative recall bias. And that is the ability to find the terrible thing. And when you look out upon the landscape, you see the worst thing first. And that's actually an evolutionary advantage. It was very helpful for our cave women ancestors to see the saber-toothed tiger before anybody else did because then she could hoof it out of there and you know live to have a next generation. Right. But we're living in the modern age where we don't necessarily need fight or flight going all day, all the time. And yet so many of us, feel that way. And maybe it's Twitter, maybe it's bad traffic, can be a lot of things. But um, the way to counterbalance that is to work on positive recall bias, which is just the inverse. It's the ability to look at the landscape and pick out the good things. And by sitting down every week to write a gratitude letter, it forced me to spend time, let's say the letter was going to uh, my nephew, Zachary. I'm just picking the name out of a hat. So he was my first nephew and he was the kid. I'm the youngest of three. My, My siblings had kids earlier than I did. So I, as a college kid, was always diapering that little boy and taking that kid around. And I just adored him. He was like my super fun, tiny companion. Also, convinced me that I didn't want to have kids right away because I knew how much work it would (laughs) be. (laughs) That's a good lesson to get when you're 18 or 19. Like, this is fun from a distance. And so, and he's also super sweet. He's a lot older than my kids. Super sweet to my kids. And they live, my whole family lives in New York. I'm in California. So my girls don't see their cousins all that often. But he's one of the cousins who just swoops them up and says, okay, you're back. You know, you're part of the team again. And so just anyways, I would spend a week thinking about things like that, all the kind things that this young man has brought into my life. And then you write that all down. Well, what you're doing is exercising positive recall bias. You're exercising that gratitude muscle that makes it easier for when you write the letter the following week to identify the positive things in the people around you. And week after week after week, you just you really rewire your brain. And what the, what the scientists say is the neurons that wired, uh, the neurons that fire together, wire together, which just means you're strengthening the pathways that help you look for positive things. So I didn't know I was doing any of that. I was just writing thank you letters. Right. But I, it changed me. I am so much faster now, three years later at Looking at a given situation and thinking, okay, this is actually good because, you know, I try, I know to look for the positive thing because I know that will make me feel better. Mm-hmm.
0: And when we look for it, we can find it even in the same moment. We can hold both the upset and find the gratitude or the appreciation or the positive.
1: Right. This is not about being Pollyanna. This mm-hmm. is not, I mean, it's 2019. There are a lot of <laughs> dire things There's a out few there. Things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you can't. Change the things that are awful if you are without hope and without without some sort of positive outlook that 's my opinion yeah. i can 't anyway and so for me, having that gratitude mindset is what makes it possible for me to get through some of the some of the worst things yeah. and, and what 's interesting is so you asked about the names on the list by the time I got to the the, the end of my list of preliminary names. I had gotten so much better that I thought, oh, wait a minute. Some of the people who have had a positive influence on my life, I'm not even friends with anymore. You know, the f- the former friends or the ex-boyfriends or, you know, terrible bosses who were so bad that I quit and got a much better job. So I can write a thank you letter to them and not mail it. And mm-hmm. I still would feel that same benefit of feeling more connected, feeling grateful for the experience I've had in my life without having to send it to them and let them know. So and then, you know, well, if they don't have to if I don't have to send the letter, they don't have to be human. So I wrote letters Mm -hmm. to cities that I've lived in that have really shaped me. I had my first job out of college, I, I moved to Munich for a few years. And that was really formative, you know, in so many ways. And so there's a letter to Munich and there's a letter to Oakland where I live now. And there's a letter to Jane Austen who can't read because she's dead, but (laughs) I read her books every year. So it starts to get
0: just it, it should it be builds. joyous, yes. <laughs> you know? You know, you think- I write a lot about savoring in my books because to me, that, that's what you're talking about, is about, you know, changing that recall bias so mm-hmm. we recall the positive. And I think savoring is really about getting to the lusciousness of life. It's like... You know, finding the pearl in the oyster—that's been there. Or in my case, finding a fiver in the pocket of my old jeans or something. You know, I that? found a
1: twenty this week, Polly. I just about fell out. That's
0: like the lottery, right there. <laughs> savoring is—I about- still haven't spent it. I'm so happy about it. <laughs> I know. See, every time you feel it in your pocket, you can feel happy again, right? But you write about that. See, say, savor because savoring is beyond noticing, right? It's actually taking in and letting it. Settle in a little bit, why are those three steps important to the process?
1: Well, the scene and the saying that 's simply gathering the information you want to include in a letter and then putting it down in a letter and I do say again because i 'm not trying to harangue anybody. We all have memories of that relative who you know said you have to write your thank you letters mm-hmm. and I had a grandmother who would return my thank you letters with um, grammatical corrections. She liked okay. to redline my my <laughs> thank you letters so uh but this uh, but this is not a harangue, I hope. You've read the book, so hopefully you yeah. you agree with me. But No, it's not a harangue. It's, it, it's a gentle way of thinking about those. Yeah, and even if you never write the letter, just going through the scene part and and thinking about the positive things and the people around you has the same neurological benefits. So mm-hmm. I just want to say, I think you should write the letters. That's why the step two, say, is is in there. But the savoring, I think, was really interesting. And again, something I didn't see coming when I started writing my letters, I kept a copy of every single letter I wrote. And that is my one harangue. If you write a letter, keep a copy of it. And the reason is that at the end of your process, however many letters you write, you have a stack of proof of people who have been good to you in your life. And when you're having a low day, so I, I had my letters bound at a local copy shop. It cost me like 10 bucks. And I keep that little booklet on my nightstand. And sometimes if it's because i'm having a bad day sometimes it's just when i get ready to go to bed at night i'll just grab it and reread a couple of letters and remind myself about the childhood friend who oh used to give me an alibi when i was getting up to no good and you know needed a little need a little cover she mm-hmm. was always dependable for me there and we didn't get into our hijinks weren't too bad but um you know or i would think about the boss who laid me off with so much kindness that we're still in touch 25 mm. years later because she was Sweet. just wonderful and you are and you're you're holding something physical in your hands that is proof to you that you are of value to other people you are worth something to other people and i think in a time of real there's a real risk right now that we're all so connected. It's the big irony, right? We're all on our devices all the time. And yet people feel more isolated than ever. It's so easy to feel like you're alone. And this stack of letters is proof to you that you are not alone. You have not been alone. And it strengthens the relationships with the people you send it to. I think that's a really beautiful part of it too. And I don't always get asked about this, but you know, people who got my letters loved them. Mm -hmm. And I heard, you know, and I said to myself at the outset, I don't get to have an expectation of a response, right? Nobody asked me to write these letters. So whatever response I get, that's the response and that's it.
0: Which I was going to ask you about, because I think that's a really um, important thing. You, You said you would not judge the response that you got from the, the process for you was writing the letters and it was a gift and whatever they did with them, what they did yep. with them. Okay. Yep. And yet virtually
1: every single person said something that made me feel glad I'd written it. So mm-hmm. in my dad's case, yes, he framed it. Not everybody framed the letter. <laughs> uh, but I heard some people wrote me back. Some people just when they saw me gave me a big hug or just even a little text that said, I got your letter or whatever. But virtually every single person was glad i sent it and i and i've gotten this question from a couple of people early in the early in the revision process i'm i'm pretty positive outgoing person it's probably coming through as i spit all over my microphone but um <laughs> i had a couple people read it who are not wired like i am because i wanted to make sure that this book felt inclusive to non extroverts and non uh former camp counselors and a few people said, I think I would feel nervous to send letters to somebody who would say, well, What you know, what are you talking about? You're making a big deal out of nothing. You know, I don't even know who you are. <laughs> and I never had that experience. I checked with these other people who I interviewed who had done similar uh, thank you initiatives. None of them had that experience, and then I looked at some literature, some scientific literature about this, and what What researchers have found is that people tend to vastly underestimate the positive way in which their thank you letters will be received, and they overestimate how awkward it will feel to send Mm. it. So I, you know, again, you never have to mail a letter. So if there's one that really is making you itch, don't put it in the mail. But I am a big believer in sending the letter out because you are giving a gift to somebody else. Mm-hmm. How nice is it? And I can say this from experience because now that my book is out in the world, I have started getting a couple thank you letters from dear old friends of mine who are, have read it and have been moved to write to me. And I've got I've got one sitting here on my desk from a former college roommate who has, I, I, like I'm blown away. She wrote me this letter and said how much she loved living with me sophomore year because I introduced her to new music and I took her out dancing to places she never would have gone and blah, blah, blah. All this time, I felt like she was the hero of our relationship uh-huh. because I didn't have a roommate sophomore year. And this girl I barely knew said, hey, move in with us. You know, we have got, got a quad and there's only three of us. I didn't even know the three girls. And they were like, come on, you live with us. And we had a great year. And so all this time I've been thinking I was kind of the taker in that relationship. Mm. And it meant so much to me to hear yeah. that she thought that I brought something to her life too. That, I just like think, I'm still a little teary just even thinking about it.
0: It's a, I, I think this is just a win-win. You're going to feel so good by reaching out like this. And on the other end, there's going to be some, whether they share it with you or not, it, it, I don't think it goes unnoticed ever that somebody took the time you did this on paper right
1: right yeah I, although i did type on a computer just if any, if anybody has terrible handwriting like yeah. me that's me not too. you can't nope that's not an excuse can't can't get out of it for that no. i would i would handwrite my signature and pray they could recognize my name <laughs>
0: <laughs> Who is this lady? What does that and, say? Hey, that brings us to the Simply Start segment. Nancy, every episode we try to give something, a tip, an idea, a practice that we can use right now when we stop listening to the show to get started on this practice. So um, if we want to start writing the thank you letters, how do we, what's one thing we can do today to get started?
1: Okay. The one thing you can do today is pick somebody, anybody who has helped you, shaped you, or inspired you in the past and think specifically about how they did it and what the impact has been on your life. Hmm. That's it. Just think about it. I think you could write it down, but I'm not pressuring you. Um, (laughs) No
0: pressure. Write it down. (laughs) Write it
1: down. (laughs) Even just thinking about it, you are firing all those good, juicy neurological pathways that make it easier for you to start recognizing positive things in your life. So just pick somebody, an old friend, somebody who lives in your house with you, somebody you're not in contact with anymore, and just think about it and see how that makes you feel.
0: Simply start, come up with somebody who has helped you or you feel good about or you're grateful for, and just think about it. That's an easy way to step into the day, I think, and feel better. When you finish the podcast,
1: just give yourself two minutes and just do that. And yeah, that's it.
0: Great. Simply Nifty, this is the segment where I only talk about the things I use and love and, or practices, books and, you know, this, I want you to go out and pick up Nancy Davis Coe's book, The Thank You Project. I believe in gratitude. You know, it. we've talked about it before here, and we'll talk about it again. Give this gift yourself, and you know, if you're going to like a holiday party uh, for the New Year in January, I have some kids' stuff coming up, and I need to uh, take a gift or follow up with my own thank you note. Tuck it in this book and drop it by. I think it's, I think it's an inspiring read. I think it's funny and fun and so practical. You can start this today. And again, this is about helping how you feel in the moment, about feeling good energy, about feeling better, because I think when we feel better, we do better. And that is what changes the world in less than 20 minutes. Nance, being here, any last minute thoughts? Just one. I want to mention, if anybody
1: else out there is a Gen Xer like me who's listening, the book has playlists, because obviously with Mixtape in the name of both my blog and the Midlife Mixtape podcast, I am clearly very wired to be listening to music all the time. A lot of the chapters of the book are about different groups of people to whom you might want to write. And I said, please, 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 can I include a playlist? And the illustrator knocked it out of the park. And bonus, you can find those playlists on Spotify. If you go to uh, my website, uh, www.davisco.com, D-A-V-I-S-K-H-O.com, there's a link right to the Spotify playlist so you can stream it while you're writing.
0: Did you listen while you were writing your thank you notes? Oh God, no. I
1: can't ever listen to music. No, <laughs> really? You get no, I books. think it's the writer brain. I, I can't get either. so focused on the lyrics. Uh-huh. I can't, I can barely cook when i'm listening to music because i'm <laughs> trying to sing along and what are they saying there so it's funny i was just talking to a friend of mine who's a musician he said i never hear the lyrics i'm listening to the i'm listening to the music and i'm like i barely hear the music i'm listening to the lyrics. you had- write a,
0: a thank you note to one of your favorite bands
1: Yes, I wrote to Neil Finn, who was the lead singer for Crowded House and, and Split Ends, if anybody remembers them, because oh, yeah, I'm such a fan of his music that is, it's actually, I actually took my family to New Zealand, to, to the town where he was born, which was an amazing trip, and then I won a trip to the Grammys because oh, I wrote an cool. essay about him, so I, he got a thank you note, and then I ended up writing one to the live music industry because I go to a concert every month, and I had thought, well, I'll write to all these individual performers and then I realized I don't have 10 years for this project. So I just <laughs> lumped them together and wrote one for the live concert industry because I love Great. going out to
0: see shows. Well this has been totally fun. Thanks, Nancy, for being with us. Good luck with the book. Thank you, Polly. And I really appreciate it. Give us that website. I'm looking for it. You can hear my paper chef. Uh, it's uh
1: Davis Co. is kind of the front door to get to my blog and podcast and book and everything. So it's www.davisco that's d-a-v-i-s k h o
0: And the book is The Thank You Project, Cultivating Happiness, One Letter of Gratitude at a Time. Check it out. I think thank you notes. I think spending some time thinking about the people you love and appreciate and those who have brought you where you are today, it's just going to leave everybody feeling better and help you live well, do good, and be happy. (laughs)